Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. We're very pleased to have with us from the fifth floor of the City Hall, Mayor Joe Schember, the mayor of the City of Erie. Mayor Joe, good to see you, sir. Thanks for having me on, Joel. Happy to be here. And Michael Outlaw, the community liaison for the City of Erie. Michael, good to see you, sir. You as well, Joe. Thanks for having us. Okay, so this is my dynamic duo here. Uh, I mean, we've had many conversations and really kind of a over the three years plus of the show, a, a broad range of issues but would I be wrong to say, Mayor, that right now the focus in this community is in eradicating or decreasing youth gun violence? Is, have we coalesced, coalesced around this being our primary issue right now? I would agree with you 100%. Yes, it really is. We've had uh, just too much going on this year. We've had uh, more shootings than we've had weeks in the year so far. More people shot. I never even thought of it that way. Like, uh, I may be a little off on the numbers, but I think there's been 23 people shot in Erie this year in 18 weeks. You know, so it's uh, wow. and that's something we're really committed to ending. What are you hearing from law enforcement? What do you, what is Chief Spizarni and uh, Inspector Nolan telling you? Like, is is there is there a thread to this violence? Uh they, you, you know, I, I don't ask for a lot of details about the violence, to be honest, but they, they do talk to me. They keep me up to date. I don't want to know anything I shouldn't know. You know? Uh, well, yeah. But, you, I mean, if it's an active investigation, yes, that's yes. not your deal. And they're they're working very hard. And I can tell you that our police, the, especially the police that are working on things like this, seem really tired to me right now. Really? So I'm really hoping we can get it under control and, and move forward. I was talking uh, to Inspector Nolan yesterday at, uh, after the event, and he said, we have a lot of people to hire, mm-hmm. you know, including uh, uh, folks that would be a part of the, uh, uh, I guess it would have been the domestic abuse, uh, you know, some yeah. of those specialized uh, right. units. Yeah, we're going to uh, hire 15 officers, yeah. and there'll be two of them on duty every shift right around the clock and their job is primarily to fall. We get eight to 10 domestic violence calls a day in the city. And right now we go out, we get things settled and then move on to the next problem. Mm -hmm. But these 15 officers, their job is to follow up and prevent this from happening again in some way. Well, and the, and the, what, what Nolan had told me was that, uh, um, you know, this, these will be senior officers that yes. will be graduating into these specialized roles, and you're just trying to backfill That's correct. Uh, some of the, the younger folks. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk to Michael in a second, but it, it's probably getting harder and harder and harder to recruit. Well, it's probably, we don't get quite as many as we used to applications, yeah. but, but we still have a, a good number of applications. And we are hiring a lot of police officers that have worked in another location a lot of times in this very area, they might have worked for one of the universities in a police role. Right. So that's very helpful as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nolan was saying something about somebody came came up from Farrell, yeah. which had a lot of uh, a lot of street experience, basically yes. urban experience, and uh, those those that would be a, a highly um, uh, 
helpful type of a person to have on. Right. on the, let's bring in Michael Outlaw here. Michael, again, we've had many conversations about public safety, uh, you know, both police and fire, and, you know, the recruiting efforts of you and of uh, uh, Sergeant Lennox and, 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 you know, the entire group. And to me, there's, there's like, there's two strong prongs here from the city's point of view. And tell me if I'm off on this. There's the PAL, there's the Police Athletic League, which is building these really strong relationships with the little guys, right? Absolutely. And then there's the SP, SCPC. SPCP. Uh, SPCP, right? You know, of strengthening those community and police um, connections, that partnership there. Um, talk about... You know, in in even as we've had this moment, we've been seeing good outcomes, right, from those two. Absolutely, absolutely. In addition to the PAL program, there's also the COP program, which is a community okay. outreach program, um, which in essence is ran by Sergeant Jamie Russo. So, okay, those he's three, a cousin of mine, by the way. Is he? Okay, <laughs> he's a great. The, the tallies get everywhere. Anyway, okay. go ahead. Yeah, great guy. Um, <laughs> So I think the, the three programs that's happening now, it is dispelling a lot of misnormals that exist within our community. Okay. Um, in times past, especially in the urban core, one, one couldn't be seen engaging with a police officer, right? Because if you did, then you were stigmatized as X or Y. And so mm -hmm. having a power program, which addresses the uh, elementary school kids, and then having a COP program, which addresses a different demographic, an SPCP program, which addresses multiple demographics, we are doing a complete overhaul of that mentality. And so that's why we've been seeing an improvement in our numbers. The police community relations have definitely moved in a positive, a positive direction. Yeah. And we believe it gets greater later. Yeah. And, and, and again, uh, Mayor, you were quoted uh, when it came to, you know, the right on May 30th of uh, 2020, that this this uh, police and community partnership was our protective factor in in, um, in not needing a citizens advisory panel or something like that, right? Right. The SPCP council that you mentioned earlier that that really is is much closer to our police and and a lot of the members of this most of them are minorities uh, and a lot of them have had trouble with the law in the past that yeah. turned their lives around and now want to help other kids uh, that that are. Uh, you know, going through similar things. So uh, I, I really believe SPCP Council is like beyond that. Yeah, by the way, that still remains the, the, the biggest show, the n biggest number of guests I've ever had on my show on that Zoom call. I had to go two pages on that. Wow. And it was, it really was a pantheon of eerie leadership, right? Absolutely. Uh, it, it was, it was really a fascinating conversation. People can look that up on, on our website. All right. So Michael, so we, we, you know, PAL and COP and, and, and the coalition, mm -hmm. I feel like what you were presenting yesterday mm -hmm. with Unified Erie is a reboot, a re revitalization of an, an additional, almost like a third or fourth uh, initiative that it sounds like the city's taking strong leadership in. And that hasn't always been the case with Unified Erie. I mean, there was always the police connection, but not necessarily city, you know, fifth floor kind of connection with Unified Erie. Am I right on that? I would say that um, Unified Erie, the core has always been partnership, right? And realizing 
the need for the you know support from the fifth floor. Yeah. Um, I think what you see now, Joel, is more intentionality on what we're doing you know, collectively as a coalition. Um, something Inspector Dolan said yesterday is that all hands are on deck. Yeah, right? oh yeah. And so Unified Erie, we are. We realize COVID nineteen slowed some things down, right? As far as hosting call-ins, but now we understand there's an urgency in the land when juveniles are being shot in schools and babies are getting shot and murdered. And so we are definitely all hands on deck and we're going to respond to this census acts of violence in our community. There, there are the three prongs of Unified Erie. Uh, let's go over them. Uh, as you mentioned yesterday, there's certainly the prevention side. I actually was involved in that for several years. Uh, you know, uh, I coming out of the, the faith world, we were working on religiosity and we literally had uh, a very unique, a nationally, actually a nationally recognized um, in, uh, initiative of right. take me to worship, saying that uh, because the data was strong that uh, that children that participate in religious activities an hour a week Absolutely. actually had much better outcomes in it. And uh, you talk to Amy Isert from Mercy Her Civic, mm -hmm. and she's like, I've, I've rarely seen direct correlation type of data because that's a whole thing about Unified Erie. It's data-driven, right? Data-driven, data-driven, evidence-based, best practices. And to your point, Joel, about, you know, take me to worship campaign, it also shows that students who attend the spiritual service per, you know, once an hour, one hour per week, their grades improve, um, the truancy decreases, you know, dropout rates decreases. So there's there's a holistic lens, you know, as it pertains to take me to worship. And again, Unified Erie, you know, we're we're asking for partnerships now, right? The days of, you know, standing on one side of the street pointing fingers is, is so mm -hmm. long over. Uh, it's so long gone. So. Anyone who's listening and want to partner with Unified Erie, you know, we welcome the partnership because we need, again, to inspect on those point yesterday, all hands on deck. So. Yeah, the, uh, you know, part of that other prevention side was changing parental attitudes and community attitudes Absolutely. about um, antisocial behavior. Absolutely. And, again, we're talking about the 40 de developmental assets. Uh, I, I have plenty of folks in my family that are coming out of social services. They, they live this and breathe this every day. And, 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 you know, Mayor, we're, we're, a, we're a resource-rich community. I mean, uh, you're, you're heading what's known really across the state as, as a recovery town, as a resource-rich town, yet we're still fighting some of the same battles that they fight in other urban communities that don't nearly don't have nearly the kinds of resources like we have. You're absolutely right. And that's not an easy thing to deal with, uh, but it's something we're taking on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk about the, uh, the, um, the enforcement piece there, uh, yes. Michael. Yeah. So enforcement is what enforcement sounds like, right? Um, your police officers identified individuals, chronic violent offenders and, with the help of, you know, state parole and adult probation, you know, they enforce on these individuals with outstanding warrants or who's been connected with certain criminal activities in the community. And so we're going to enforce um, under that enforcement prong is the, uh, it's, it's the call in program, right? Where the call in is it's again, it's data driven individuals mm -hmm. who are known perpetrators of certain acts in the community. Um, we call them into a, a safe place, a church, right, which uh, which is another partnership that we endeavor. And so these individuals feel safe. They feel welcome. We sit down with them. The mayor speaks. The DA speaks. You know, several keynote speakers just speak to the hearts and minds of these youth and let them know that you 
have value, mm. right? And so we try to, you know, boost their morale, right? And then we try to plug them into services to help them with education, housing, mental health, unemployment, ID, whatever barrier they may be experiencing, the ESER SSA program addressed those needs. And so even though it's, you know, it's, it's enforcement, it's enforcement from a different set of lens, right? It's, it's like us tipping our hands and say, listen, we understand what you've been involved with, but let us help you out of this, you know, this, this pathway of, of destruction into a road of, of recovery. So. The, the DA uh, mentioned to the newspaper that the Collins, and, and we might even talk about it in, in other contexts, the Collins may be now uh, directed to middle school. So when you talk about identifying chronic offenders, how does a 12, 13, 14-year-old, I mean, what kind of chronic offending are they doing at, at that age group? Well, I really can't speak to all the different intricacies of what they're involved with, but I do, I will say this, that oftentimes these individuals in middle school and high school are frequent flyers, per se, right? And so, For the disciplinary action of the, in, inside the district or, or in their neighborhoods? I would say more so, our focus is more so within what's happening within the neighborhood, but in conjunction more so what's happening within the public schools walls, okay. right? Because yeah. that's, that's why our attention is shifting to the, you know, to every public schools in partnership with Unified Erie to address those individuals from a holistic vantage mm. point to listen, we understand what's happening. Um, and some individuals will get our special attention. And so again, it's all to prevent them from entering a lifestyle that's gonna be destructive and counterproductive to their longevity. Is, 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 does this level of despair come uh, as a generational thing, as a peer thing? Uh, you know, it was mentioned yesterday. We talked to the superintendent, and he's like, we, you know, we took away the structure when we went to COVID. And so they went to the only structure that, that they know, the, the ones that have joined gangs or networks or something like that. But I'm just trying to think of where this despair comes from. It's, that is a complex answer. In short, I will say that lack of parental supervision or parental supervision that encourages or doesn't um, speak to the kids' actions, right, that are destructive. And so those dynamics, Joel, is in part why we see what we see play out in our community. Back in the day when I was growing up, you know, when the streetlights, you know, came on, we had to be in the house or on the porch. That's it. This, this 18th Street. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this, but the the dynamic that we're seeing is, you know, you ride down throughout the, you know, you ride you know, different neighborhoods at nighttime, you'll see kids, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, just walking the streets, 10, 11 o'clock wow. at night. Wow. That could never happen in my day and you're, you know, in our days. And so, we need, we need parents and guardians to step up and hold their kids accountable for their behaviors because the data that's unified to reproduce, it shows, Joel, that parents are favorable of these kids' behavior. And when, and you, don't, when you don't have accountability. Of, of the destructive behavior. Yes, destructive behavior, absolutely. And, and, we, and when you don't have that accountability, then chaos ensues. And that's what we see in playing out within our community. We, again, we know it starts at home, right? And once we get the home front address, we believe we'll see a decline in some of these behaviors that's plaguing our community.
like you say, multiple layers, multiple. very tough. And that's just one layer. The, the parental is just one layer. <laughs> just one right? layer of Absolutely. this. Yeah, it's really easy to identify problems, but we've got to turn, we've got to pivot to solutions right away. And I feel like uh, with, with what Michael's talking about with Unified Erie is, is a tried, true, data-driven solution. Yes, absolutely. It's worked very well in the past. I think this is one of the worst outcomes of COVID-19 because it's kind of kept us all apart. For over two years, we haven't been able to have the kind of meetings that prevented a lot of the things from happening that, that are happening today. So we're really looking forward to getting that going again. Uh, you, you have participated in these call-ins before? Absolutely. I'm part what, of what is, what is the What's the vibe there? Is it, is it hopeful? Is it... Uh... Is it a concern? I mean, are these kids coming in fearful? What is it like? Uh, I think they come in defiant. Uh, oh, actually. okay. Yeah. Uh, but usually over the course of the meeting, and we talk to them for about an hour. Michael mm -hmm. and I speak. There's mm -hmm. a number of other speakers, including a woman who's lost two, two boys, two, right, yep, to gunfire, uh, including Brother D, who does an incredible job sure. of, of touching them mm -hmm. because of his background and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and then we have dinner with them. And you know, most of the dinners are very good. Occasionally, you can't really get anything out of them. They don't really yeah. want to talk to you. Right. But And I've started at the dinners. Uh, I, I started, Of course, I haven't been able to do it for two years now. Right. But I give guys that talk to me my cell phone. If I can help you, give me a call. Wow. You know? And mm. uh, it, most, most of the time, we have a lot of success reaching them, and I think it prevents them from going into the life of crime because they can see it another, uh, another path. However, Chief Dan makes remarks at this as well. His marks are always, here's what's going to happen to you if you don't make the changes. He's kind of laying down Absolutely. the law, yeah. literally, right? I mean. So we hope we're showing them a new possibility, a new opportunity, mm -hmm. a new way of life. But Chief Warren, if you continue the way you're going, here's what's going to happen. Yeah, to you. It's, it's, a, it's a fork in a road. You can choose That's right. a destructive path or a, a productive path. Yes. Uh, it, it's, it, it's remarkable to me that it, it was working and then we kind of lost, lost yes. that tool in the toolbox. Yes, yes. And I really think COVID-19 has impacted all of us, whether we realize it or not. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that we've had to live almost a, a, a life away from the people we used to being around. And now we're starting to get back to a more normal life. We're not totally through COVID yet, but I hope we're going in the right direction. And I've actually been out at a couple uh, evening events recently with groups of people, which, again, it's been a couple of years since we did anything like right. that. I think it has a mental impact on us that we don't really even realize. And, you know, it's, so it's something we're all dealing with. Hopefully we can start moving forward. Yeah. The... the um... Uh, Michael, you know, we, we talk about re-entry as the third prong of uh, Unified Erie. And again, recidivism was almost off the, you know, like it totally fell off I mean, because mm -hmm. this program was so strong. Is it, does it exist at all anymore? Yes, yes. So Unified Erie program, the re-entry prong, um, which is called Erie County Re-entry Services and Support Alliance, that program is up and functioning. Um, they've had some challenges identifying so, uh, financial support. Okay. Right. But nonetheless, um, the program is up and, and, and thriving. We're currently interviewing for case managers to, you know, help, you know, fill the needs of the program. But right now we have a couple of case managers in position who's doing a job. But again, we need more case managers on board to help us move the needle. But to your point, Joe, recidivism definitely declined. And um, the program is effective. When you... When you meet people where they're at, 
right? Versus have them come to you, but meet them where they're at and you provide them with the services and resources and make that connection. You're that bridge. Mm -hmm. That's why we saw a decline in numbers. Unified Erie in the Eastern SSA program, that is a non-traditional approach, right? Because you're dealing with non-traditional clientele, right? And so we can't put them in this, in this cookie glass cutter model yeah. to meet those needs. So we had to go outside the box, meet them where they're at, actually attend appointments with them, help them complete the paperwork, right? Because there are certain skill sets that's, that's lacking. And so yeah. we're that, so those case managers, they're the bridge to help these individuals stay, stay successful and have a long-term trajectory out here in our community. You know, I've talked to, I have multiple folks that are in my sphere of influence that have hired um, ex-convicts and oftentimes they're the best workers. Mm -hmm. they, they, you know, they know what it's like on the inside and now that they're on the outside, they want to stay on the outside. And uh, and again, by this breaking down during COVID, it's it's just a, it's a shame because we were really on to something. Absolutely. Here. And Joe, I want to say that to your point, um, I personally believe that there is a missed opportunity during COVID. Right. When these employers couldn't find individuals to work, to your point. Get when, when given a second chance, oftentimes people go extra hard because they understand they, they actually value the opportunity. And so, um, but again, Unified Area, we're going to do our part, and the case managers can help people find these individual jobs, and hopefully we'll move the needle again. Somebody did uh, send a note in, uh, and I don't know if you guys, uh, this would be more of a question for Chief Spizarni, but how long is the CVO list, the chronic violent offenders today, how does it compare historically? Is there a, is there a data point with that? Or We'd have to talk to the chief, I think. Yeah, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, and I don't know that either. Yeah. Uh, I know we're having more shootings now than we've ever had before wow. in Erie, and you know that's something that we've got to put an end to. There's no doubt about it. So uh, part of part of the kind of the journey that we've been through as a city is um, that rightfully, with rightful dig indignation, we we protested the death of George Floyd. We have to understand that that was that was just murder and that was ridiculous and so un unnecessary, right? Yes. And we were all through that moment. We had a very, very difficult moment here in the city of Erie. In fact, where we're sitting right now, uh, there were broken uh, glass and Molotov cocktails thrown right in this neighborhood here. Yeah. But we've gone past that. And um, we, Mayor, you, you've never been on, on the record saying that we need less police. No, I haven't. And, yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, with some of the ARP money, we're hiring more police. Exactly. But these are police that are going to be enforcing the law. These are going to be police that help people that have had problems and work together. Yeah, I talked about it a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. I think. One thing I didn't mention is uh, Erie has about eleven to 1,200 homeless people every year. There's maybe three to 500 on the street at any given point. Some of them are on the street a week or two and then okay. Some of them are on the street for months. And some of these new police officers we're hiring are also going to work with them to kind of try to help them get back to a normal life. Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about it, too, of the idea that in the summer it would be so cool in, in this neck of the woods, maybe in other neighborhoods like West 8th or Parade or whatever, to have beat cops, to, you know, I mean, to have the idea of that visibility. I, I think I told you last month, right after um, the, uh, the St. Patrick's Day,
Yeah. Uh, we, I think we chatted, and uh, that was, of course, when somebody showed it, their belly to us in the window. <laughs> anyway, I'll say Patty's. The, <laughs> but no, there were there were a couple of B cops, and they were just kind of. They were super friendly, and they ran into some friends and introducing friends. And, it, you know, again, they're, they're, they're armed to the teeth, yes. mind you, right? But it, it was just so cool to see the interaction. And, and, again, they really purport themselves well, and they represent the city well. Yeah, I mean, police are people, too. We're all people. <laughs> That's you know? it. Yes. That's it. And so, uh, Michael, let's talk about the efforts of you and Sergeant Tom Lennox and how you're trying to uh, grow and diversify the force. Absolutely. Um, Sergeant Tom Lennox and I, we've been taking grassroots approaches, right, um, to identify individuals to become police officers. We've worked um, with the local, you know, African-American concerned clergy, um, the NAACP, um, Bishop Brock and other community members to help us, you know, spread the word, community center directors, you know, so again, just grassroots efforts. Sergeant Tom Lennox, he's been a tad bit more intentional by going to military bases, right, yeah. because oftentimes what we've identified is that having veterans points it has been a, a kind of challenge to overcome. So we become, well, he's being more intentional in going to a military bases, identifying veterans, so we can kind of you know, meet that need. Well, when you think about it, I mean, let's say there's a, a kid, 18 years old, he joins the Army out of high school, gets his four years in. Again, now he's probably a specialist, if not a sergeant, mm -hmm. and he's got this boatload of, of uh, experience and, you know, at 22, 23, 24, can come to Erie and, and uh, bring, his, bring his talents to uh, North Beach, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. So the application process opened, it opened on April 4th. It okay. closes June 30th. There's an $80 application fee. And the test is going to be August 6th out at Northeast. It's the first Saturday of the month. And um, we're hoping again to see an, you know, an increase in numbers. We've been seeing a, a, a steady increase over the last four years of applicants coming out, taking the test. And so we believe, you know, these efforts have been successful. We're not going to reinvent the wheel, yeah. right? If it's, if it's what they say, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. So we've been, we've been seeing an increase of hiring of minority uh, mm -hmm. officers. And so we have a formula that's been proven. And so we begin, and we believe that this year we'll see some similar increase in numbers. Well, that, uh, and, and again, the, the, the goal here is to get to a complement. Now with the additional funding, Mayor, I mean, you're really trying to have these specialized units yes. to be on the helpful side, it sounds like. Absolutely. And we want our police force to look like the community. So yeah. anybody in this community can look and see someone there that looks mm -hmm. like them. Right now, of course, it's predominantly white men that are mm -hmm. in there. But... Uh, we were, I was getting frustrated, to be honest, our first few years in office because we were trying to hire minorities, but they have to score in the tests. They have to, right. you, know, you get that 10 extra points if you're honorably discharged in the military. So they, those guys and women always go to the top of this. Uh, so, and I would imagine, like we've been saying before, that any, any, anyone with military experience mm -hmm. is They've got a lot of options. Absolutely. I mean, they just Absolutely. face it, you know. Absolutely. Uh, do you feel like that the esprit de corps of the of the force is uh, strong enough to kind of be a force in, in, in actually kind of spreading the good word that, hey this is a this is a good job 
This is a good career yes. to commit yourself to. Yeah. It's not for everybody, definitely. I mean, uh, you, you have to have a certain mindset to be able to become a policeman. It's, it's maybe 10% of the population that, mm-hmm. that can do that. I, I don't think I could do it, to be very honest. Uh, but we hired our first African-American police officer since, well, I was about three and a half years into my first term. Wow. And, but uh, we hired some police in February, was it? Earlier this year. Earlier this year, right. There were two African-American police force mm-hmm. police in a net. And I probably shouldn't say this, but, but do hold me accountable. I understand uh, talking with uh, the chief. Uh, we're going to be hiring a, a, probably about another 10 officers yeah. in June. I, I'm expecting two of them to be African-American, from what they told me, and two of them to be women. Okay. Uh, and so, again, our police force is starting to look starting. more like the community. Let's grab a phone call here. Um, Caller, you're live with Joel Natale and the mayor and Michael Outlaw. It's going to be a thing where you ask the question and then we'll hang up and they'll let them answer. So go ahead. Okay, I'll try to concise this as much as I can. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. I think we're missing another component I wish was on the show today, and that is uh, the judicial system. Um, I'm going to cite a basic construct of uh, psychology courses that most anyone that goes to college gets. If you're going to have a, a punitive system, it has to be, it has to fit the crime, it has to be immediate, and it has to be strong enough uh, to make people think more than twice about committing the crime in the first place or recommitting it. Um, so put yourself in the mindset of the person, for instance, the, the people that were arrested with 500,000 doses of lethal fentanyl, uh, to me, that's 500,000 counts of attempted murder. But it, apparently, these crimes keep happening because there's not much of a deterrent. I mean, if they get caught, they're going to go to jail, or they're going to get off the jail because of a technicality or, or slick lower. Um is anyone looking at that? That's my question. Is anyone looking at that component? Because you can have the best police force, the best community outreach programs, but if people are going to commit crimes and just get off that technicality or barely a slap on a wrist, we're missing an important component. Thank Thanks you. so much. Appreciate it. Uh, I, I, it, it. It's a valid point. It, it might be a little off topic for what we're doing right now, but not really. Again, uh, the deterrent has to be there. Absolutely, and it's it's there, and that's the message that we that's the message we share during the call. In yeah, so listen, this is your opportunity to leave this life of crime. However, if you do not take this opportunity, and the uh, the DA at the time was Jack Denary, but he's been clear. If I see you in my courtroom, I'm going to tell the judge this individual was given opportunity to change his his or her ways. They didn't. Yeah, so, it almost is a it almost is a magnifier. Because they had a chance and they didn't take it. There you go. Wow. Absolutely. I have another question that came in on, on a text. So, uh, again, uh, the, the question is, are you saying that only black police officers can police black peop- people? Is, the reason, is this the reason for all the crime and violence in the city? Speak to that. Not at all. Not at all. Um, we know that when you talk about policing, it's not, it's not black and white. That's not what we're saying. What we're, what we're suggesting is that... To, to, to build hope, right, to boost the morale, oftentimes when you see people that look like you, it inspires you to be that, mm-hmm. right? And so that's yeah. what we're saying. You know, it, again, it's strengthening 
the community Absolutely. and police partnership. Let's grab another call here. Hey, you're live with Joel Natale and Mayor Schember and Michael Outlaw. Again, you're going to ask a question, and then we'll hang up and answer it. Go ahead. All right. I mean, I kind of two simple questions, I think. Uh, one, I've sometimes thought about applying, and I just recently saw, you know, you're looking for more uh, officers. Do you guys train? Like, I don't have any law enforcement, but I see it says it must be Act 120 by time of hire. Is that something you guys do with people you hire, or do you, like, would I have to go do that on my own sometime beforehand? And then, did, and maybe I'm making this up, did the police officer pay get cut by chance only because I looked in previous years, and I was just looking, this last time this news came out about looking for officers, and I could swear the pay looks like it's less than you severe maybe i don't know maybe making it up that's uh, it thank you thank you all right yeah uh, good questions there um uh first off uh what is it act 125 act 120, right yeah so in anyone at the time of hire must be act 120 certified and that happens through the um police academy which is located in northeast so how does that get funded again especially if you're uh you know you don't have the you don't have the wherewithal well some people some people work you know, work at night and go to school in the daytime. Okay. But also, Joe, people can apply for financial aid. Okay, and, there you and that's go. That's the part. You know, that's the part that's oftentimes missing in the conversation. Grants can be utilized to pay for the cost for the police academy. Talk about the the, the salary piece. Uh, and like the first couple years are not the greatest, but once you get some experience. Your salary really shoots up. Go ahead, Mayor. Yeah, most police officers make more than I do. <laughs> uh, it, it, but they start at around fix that. around forty eight thousand a year. Okay, and it goes up. Uh, I think over a six year period. Is that right, Michael? I mean, yes. originally I think it was a three year period. In the last contract, we extended that, uh, basically trying to control expenses a little bit in the budget. But the, nothing's been cut in terms of police pay, and they do get increases every year. Uh, at one time. Before I took office, everybody in the city hall got 3% every year. Right. And what I found was our revenue was going up about 1% a year, while our expenses were going up over 10% a year. Jeez. So we tried to change that. Mm. Uh, we tried to set a good example by all the non-union employees would get 0% the first their first year, 1% the second, one and a half, and 2 the following two years. Okay. Uh, and we, we negotiated with the firefighters. They agreed to that. Uh, we wanted to set an example with non-union people first. The police uh, weren't comfortable with that, but they made some other concessions that saved enough money that we were able to do it. And one of them was to extend the time new hires until they get to the full salary. I see. Okay, so that kind of goes at six years. And and what what is it? Uh, what at six years is it like in the seventies and eighties or not that high? It, yeah, I think, I, I think it's what close to ninety. Is it really okay? I think yes. That's pretty good. I mean, that's uh, yeah. that's officer money in the Army, right? I mean, yeah. you have to be okay. five to seven years of experience uh, in the Army for, to get that kind of dollar. So uh, really remarkable. All right, we, we are about 12, uh, 10 minutes away from uh, the, 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 uh, our time together here, and I want to make sure that we cover uh, everything else. Uh, Mayor... Is we we gotta we gotta ask you about this security thing, and I'm gonna do my editorial statement, and then you can just weigh in. Uh, my thought is is that uh, I could see where the where the city, uh, and we're talking about uh, your request for reimbursement for your security system at home, 
And I could see where uh, city council would would be kind of taken aback by a no bid after the fact kind of reimbursement thing. But my point is, is that when you when you take office, when a senior executive takes office or the chief executive of a third class city, is there any kind of thought of, of risk assessment of how your life as as now the chief executive would change and in and are people weighing in on that, whether it's you know a state police consultant or you know or you know somebody at city hall that says you know what mayor um we don't have a gracie mansion for you you're not moving into gracie mansion uh and you don't have a, a you know your own driver right i don't I, think so no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so so i mean so maybe there would be some some minimums uh, of home security and and things like that and so Obviously, that did not happen when you took office in 2018, right? No, that's right. And I, I know city councils, you know, when they declined that request for reimbursement for that additional security at home, they basically said we should look at all these other things, which probably would cost a lot more money. And I'm not sure. What, what were the other things they were talking about? It, it was things like what you were just talking yeah. about, that you have some sort of security where you're safe going. A bodyguard, yeah. I yeah, mean. yeah. Probably a full-time bodyguard, maybe somebody. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the mayor of Pittsburgh has, but I would imagine it's a little bit more than you have. Absolutely, I know the governor's got a lot. More oh, he's got that. a lot more. <laughs> yeah, he's got a, he's got an entourage, right? Yes, yes. I can tell you, it takes. Uh, I go grocery shopping every Saturday with my wife. It's one, just one of the things we do together, and uh, it takes us a half hour or longer to shop for groceries <laughs> now because so many people talk. Stop. Sure. People I don't even know stop and talk to me and want to give their opinion. And but let's 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 be clear. There were real threats. At your home, and you were. Somebody asked me, "Were you broken into twice?" We were broken into once, uh, and that was uh, about two thirty one morning. It was about two months ago, and uh, they broke into our side door. And as soon as they opened the door, though, it set off the alarm. Okay. But that's one of the scariest things for me and my family. At two thirty in the morning, you wake wake up by an alarm, yeah. uh, and you know. Of course, it takes a while just to get oriented. I went and turned the alarm off right away. I probably shouldn't have done that because I didn't know the people had gone. But we mm -hmm. found, uh, went downstairs, found where they had come in and, you know, that they went out. And uh, the police have been very, very supportive, uh, did a lot of good things. And uh, even though I have to pay for it myself, and I, and I said, I'm not going to challenge city council. They can right. decide however they want on this. Uh, but, you know. I feel much safer now at home than I did before. Yeah, Liz Allen, uh, you know, uh, was quoted in the newspaper saying, "You came, to, you came to them in in humility and good cheer, saying, hey, uh, this this is part and parcel of my official duties.' Yeah. And that's my take on it. It's like I, if I was on council, I would have voted for it because for the reimbursement because it should have been handled in 2018, and maybe this should be instructive." For other for other municipalities saying, you know what, what's your package on the risk assessment security side when when somebody takes office? And again, not every municipality needs to do this, but they you need to take an assessment. Absolutely. I think that I totally agree with you. And uh, hopefully we can come up with some kind of policy for that for future mayors also. And and the other thing is, is like, is is crime a thing in Frontier? Crime? Uh, there is some that goes on there, definitely, because you know yeah. there's some rich people that live out there. So. Well, again, Michael, this is this is citywide, right? Absolutely. Every ward is dealing with this. Yes. And again, you, when you talk to uh, Chief Nol or uh, Inspector Nolan and Chief Spizarni, it's like they get so many calls. Oh. 
So many. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and um, me and Mike Nolan have a great relationship. And so, you know, the officer's job, man, it seems like it never ends. Yeah. You know, there's always some acts occurring in the community. So the ARP funds and the additional officers that the mayor is going to, you know, bring on board will help us, you know, meet the needs of our community. I got to ask you one more question. This is going to be from left field, but I'll ask the mayor <laughs> okay. this. What is driving you nuts right now about the city? Like, what is just, what is something that you wish you could fix right now that's just driving you crazy? Hmm. There's, the only thing that drives me nuts is I feel a little overwhelmed right now because there's so much going on and it's just impossible to stay on top of everything. And a lot of times I'll have a, a meeting in the morning and in the afternoon somebody asks me about the meeting and I, I can't tell them anything because mm -hmm. I've had constant meetings since then. Today's been a day full of meeting. Wednesday was my busiest day this week. I started at 8 a.m. with a meeting, and I got home at 10.30 oh p.m. after the city council meeting ended. So, but, uh, not <laughs> it's every not, day. And it's not like you came home with, like, all this great news to tell Rhonda. It's like, oh, yeah, they, they diss my stuff again. You know, I'm, so, I'm, no. I'm putting your words into your yeah. mouth. But, and, and there yeah. were a lot, of, a lot of good things that yeah. happened, and, which is what I focused on, of course, at the sure. council meeting. They yeah. approved some things we needed to approve, definitely. The good thing is you have a good team up there. Absolutely. You know, we, we had Aaron on uh, talking about Celebrate Erie. Oh. We're all looking forward to the summer. Yeah. And I yeah. think we're going to do something fun in, the, in in our in front of our window here. Oh. So we're trying to figure it out. Okay. But uh, something that will draw some folks down uh, this part of State yeah. Street. Sounds good. All right, we're going to leave it there. Uh, Mayor Joe Schember, Michael Outlaw, thank you, gentlemen, so much for being on the air with us today. Thanks for having us on, Joel. We appreciate it. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at talkerie.com.